In the wild and chaotic world of science fiction, John Borman wouldn't necessarily be considered a household name. The director of the 1970s redneck exploitation thriller Deliverance and 1980s World War II coming-of-age feature Hope and Glory has had an insane career as a director, jumping from thrillers to romantic dramas to high fantasy epics like Excalibur. Needless to say, John Borman is, without a doubt, a true jack-of-all-traits. His ability to jump into any project, regardless of genre, was what brought Borman to create the most surreal feature in his filmography. That film was the high-concept sci-fi cult classic, Zardoz. Disappointed by a failed Lord of the Rings project he was attached to by United Artists, Borman decided to take matters into his own hands and create his very own high-fantasy sci-fi epic. Hyped up on numerous illegal psychedelic substances, John Borman's Zardoz was set to be released February 6th, 1974. On the extremely tight budget of $1.5 million, which in today's money kind of rounds out to maybe $15 million, still insanely tight, Zardoz was considered a financial disappointment upon release, with critics and audiences alike feeling... Very, very confused. Was Borman's drug-addled, high-concept sci-fi tale too intense for the masses, or were audiences of the early 1970s not ready for Borman's genius? Honestly, it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B, but we're going to take a look at that on this episode. The gun is good. The penis is evil. Zardoz, here on Bombed. I just want to reiterate that Liam, this is the second time I've been on the podcast. Liam chose a soccer story for me the first time because literally the only thing he knows I do other than comedy is soccer. So I hit him with, let's watch Zardoz. And now he's just rubbing his temples. He's He has eight pages of notes. He doesn't know where to begin. So, I, yeah. I Look, the last... <laughs> I feel like you're getting me back for making you do United Pass. No, it's right? not <laughs> I'm getting you back. It's just this was I feel like this is a more enjoyable movie to watch in terms of how batshit it is. It's, United Passions was just not fun for, in any regard. There is yeah, yeah it was so, too much. Yeah. It was I who okay, so Kevin, welcome back. Hi Liam. Um, mm. I feel like even though I haven't taken a single tab of acid, I've been tripping for the last 17 Oh, I hours. saw this movie high the first time I saw it, <laughs> which is not advised. So this and Altered States, I was I I almost called the cops on myself because I was just freaking out very You hard. almost called the cops on yourself? I don't even know what I was going to say to them. I, was like, I, feel, I don't feel safe. This movie is scaring me. And they'd be like, Dude, shut the fuck up. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> oh, you're terrified. That's that's some that's some crazy that's who that's that's the reason why I got sober. <laughs> that's the reason I got I was like this is too much. But how is this from the same guy who did Deliverance? 
He's obsessed with butts, if you're not. Uh, Deliverance has a notorious sodomy scene. There's an entire scene in Zardoz where Charlotte Rampling, a.k.a. Hel- uh, Gaius Helen from the new Dune movie, who, by the way, probably saw the Dune script and was like, do you understand the movies I've done in the past? This is your child. This is bullshit. I understand this completely. So... The whole thing, Zardoz is this future. First of all, Zardoz begins. First off, first off, first off, we gotta. Re- yeah. Before we even get to Zardoz. Yeah. Before we even get to any of that. Yeah. We gotta talk about some stuff. So, okay. All right. If if I could be as transparent as possible, with Dune being released, we should have probably covered Dune by David Lynch for this episode. But you know, this works equally because yeah. when I was watching this. I felt like there was some tweet that came out a while ago that got a little bit viral where somebody who's like a known writer was like, thank God Dune came out to show that like these MCU nerd idiots don't actually like sci-fi. You ever you see that tweet? There was also like, a tweet that said Dune is just the MCU for the A24 set. And I'm like, do you understand <laughs> that you don't need to compare every movie to fucking Marvel? Like Marvel has become mono- has become such an entity that like everything is being compared to it just like let dune exist well like, <laughs> like just shut up well the 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 alien the weird alien human hybrid race in this movie are like the called the eternals yes themselves which is ironic because marvel just released the eternals in theaters which i think is on track to being the first like big failure it's, from the marvel it's not that it's gonna universe. be a big failure it's still gonna make money but it's the first certified rotten i think oh release shit. and there's this whole debate about why Kumail Nanjani got jacked if he's just like shooting lightning from his fingertips <laughs> and then apparently there's one guy who controls the thoughts of indigenous communities it's a whole mess <laughs> it's really I kept seeing all this bullshit and I saw it and in my head I, I just thought I don't want to see this movie I have no desire the last good Marvel movie that I saw that I would go to bat for was Thor Ragnarok because yeah. Thor Ragnarok is essentially a Bob Hope, Bing Crosby movie, but with a huge green mutant and a, <laughs> a Scandinavian god. That's yeah. basically, they're trying to get rid of this city, and it's so entertaining. Taiki, ta, wati, oh my god. Taiwakiki. Ta, that guy. And I can't, I apologize if there are any stands out in the universe, but he was completely in control of what he was doing that entire time. Yeah. He cast Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum's just doing weird Jeff Goldblum shit like he always oh, yeah. does. Oh, yeah. And... It's complete. It's so fun to watch. I've rewatched it a bunch of times. It's but, nuts, but yeah. like definitely, if you look at like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I guess the tweet was trying to get at yeah. is people who say that they're into sci-fi but yeah. only watch like Firefly, yeah. or like the really sarcastic space operas. Uh-huh. They'll look at something like Zardoz yes. and be like, "What in God's name yeah. am I watching?" Mm-hmm. And I watched this, and I the first time I. <laughs> First time I watched it, I was like, do I have to watch this three more times? Yes. Because <laughs> the first time I watched it, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. I have five pages of notes just on my viewing of this okay. movie. How many times did you see it? Twice. Okay. Twice. But I stayed up till six in the morning last night. That's probably <laughs> why you were... Okay, that's also why you didn't respond to me right away, because I woke up at 6.45 to go teach. Yeah. Because you, some of us have jobs. Like, some no. of us are, uh, have jobs. Some people aren't unemployed scumbags yeah. like myself. You're not a scumbag. But, ah, but, 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 but yeah, no, this movie is... <laughs> 
<laughs> I I love the story that like the origin story of Zardoz is John Borman was going to do Lord of the Rings and then United Artists was like, ooh, the budget's too much for this. Let's let's not. And he's like, fine, fuck you. I'm gonna make my own sci-fi movie with blackjack and hookers. <laughs> Except it's with Sean Connery and basically a codpiece speedo and a gun. Yeah. And Charlotte Rampling is in it. And the first thing you see is a guy with a penciled on mustache. And his floating head appears on screen. And immediately, you're not even a minute into the movie, and you already feel like you're tripping on a bad trip. Oh, yeah. Because you, you don't notice right away because you see facial hair, but then it gets closer, and there's like, oh, it's just it's a Sharpie. It's like a he Sharpie. Sharp, he Sharpie like cat whiskers on his cheek. And you're just like, okay, I'm totally convinced that nothing I'm about to see for the next hour 45 makes any fucking sense yeah and then it tell it doesn't waste any time well well so, I, it doesn't waste any time you in sure tell, no in telling you how <laughs> weird it's going to be okay yeah it's at least up front being like hey you're not gonna understand a thing single fucking thing that's gonna happen for the next hour and 45 minutes although to be fair fun fact you know that scene was added because uh 20th century fox was like no one's gonna understand this movie add this just to explain what's going and on. then borman was like well he's gonna have penciled on facial hair <laughs> he's gonna because have fuck on you guys <laughs> and he's gonna be a floating head yeah. <laughs> telling you all that you're not actually real in the world of zardoz who i am zardoz actually and it's like who is this guy this guy who's in it for 15 minutes we'll get to him later but zardoz i guess the summary you can give it to make the most sense is it's set in the year 2293 on i'm assuming earth or a post-apocalyptic Earth? Somewhat. It's Zed. Sean Connery's character, Zed, just literally Zed, murders people. He, his, his job is as an executioner. He just goes around and murders people as, like, I'm guessing, like, population control. Yes. In the post-apocalypse. In his words, he's an exterminator. Because Sean Connery had the same accent in every movie. So, <laughs> when he died, I tried pitching to GQ his five most underrated roles. And I wrote a thousand words on Zardoz. And my editor looked at it and told me, first of all, I need to see this movie. Second of all, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, <laughs> he never even, he did not even put any edits in a Google Doc. He just read the Zardoz piece and told me that he couldn't run it just because he didn't even know what was happening. He, When I wrote my Dune piece, he assumed, spoiler alert, Gurney Halleck didn't die during the siege. And he completely assumed that he was dead. But if they follow the books, he comes back in the second one as a smuggler. But whatever. But it's one of those things where the funniest part about this movie to me is Sean Connery passed on The Lord of the Rings with Peter Jackson because he didn't understand his part. I also think he passed on The Matrix, or that might have been Will Smith. <laughs> he was supposed to be the architect. He was supposed to be the architect. Like... He just didn't understand these movies. And it's like, Sean Connery, you made one of the most baffling movies back in the 70s. <laughs> Stop bullshitting us. Well, there's a reason yeah. B for that, because yeah. when Borman was done with his script, initially he wanted Burt Reynolds for the role because he just did Deliverance with him. Mm -hmm. Burt Reynolds had to drop out because he was sick. I'm assuming he was sick with doing Smokey and the Bandits Part 2 or something. And so he... Uh, sent the script over to Richard Harris, who was sort of a more well-known British actor. He never got back to him. So his third choice was Sean Connery, who at this time just got done being James Bond. Was so, that after Thunderball dropped, or was that the 60s? This is no, That was the 60s. Was this the 60s. is after okay. Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. Diamonds Are Forever was, I think, the 
second to last because then he did You Only Live Twice, right? Okay. And then um, Roger Moore was the one with live and the, let die i think vo- was the was first that the one voodoo shit yeah it was the voodoo with shit the guy from my the... favorite my favorite james bond movie yeah. <laughs> no he just got out of doing james bond and he couldn't find any bit of work okay. so john borman was like okay i'll hire you he got him for allegedly like two hundred thousand dollars okay by the way just to just to give a heads up for people uh this movie's budget was 1.8 million so usually i cover movies that are like Almost towards $150 million. This film is a micro, micro budget nothing movie. <laughs> but visually, it's stunning. So, <laughs> visually, visually, the shit that they were able to pull off I have no in idea this movie is it's ridiculous. Insane. Yeah. Insane. We'll get to some of the cost cutting stuff later. And but talk about boners. Oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of the boners. Eternals are obsessed with boners. They're obsessed. They with want bo- to know how boners well, work because they're like weird. So I guess we could just get to that. So no, if you want to keep talking about yeah, your, I want to okay. get to the thing. So the setup is the year is two thousand two hundred and ninety three. Twenty two ninety three. Uh, the world is in a post apocalyptic like hellscape. Yes, there's like the brutes who are just kind of like they're homeless. They're the homeless. They're the survivor scavenger types and the executioners who are hired to slay the brutes yeah. so that population is low. They call they they're executioners, but they call exterminators. It's the same thing. Exterminators, it's just yeah. what they're called in the movie is exterminators. Exterminators. So, Sean Connery literally just shoots people a lot in this movie. There's so. a lot. Yeah, <laughs> their their job is just commit massacres all day. Exactly. And the most important thing is all of the uh, exterminators are worshiping a stone god by the name of Zardoz. 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 He doesn't say his name like that. He says it's Zardoz. Have you? Did you watch a trailer? For this movie, there's a trailer that said uh, Zardoz before death, like beyond death, beyond life, there is Zardoz. And then there's a bunch of words on the screen. It's like, I have seen the future and the future does not work. So Borman was clearly just trying to make a movie where there was no linear narrative. There's no like there's basically just a bunch of shit going on where he says, "Okay, what did you think about that? What do you think this is about? Because there's so like. I've read articles about, oh, this is him anticipating, like, population control and talking about how we shouldn't be reproducing. Or other people were like, oh, he was on peyote and just made this yep, fucking movie. Because, so, yeah, yeah, he the initial script was actually, like, something completely different. Like, yeah. the movie was supposed to take place. Uh, he wrote it, I think, back in 71. Yeah. And it was supposed to take place f- five years in the future, so, like, okay. 76. So, like, uh, yeah. And it was supposed to be about a college professor who gets obsessed with a girl in his class who disappears. And so he goes to communes to try to find out where this person is. And then apparently, I don't know the full story here. This is me putting my own creative spin in this. John Borman did a shit ton of acid and said, you know what? Nah, fuck it. Let's make it a post-apocalyptic high fantasy. Like... (laughs) Yeah. Isaac Pavanov like hellscape world. <laughs> you mean Av- Avanov? A- uh, Asimov? Yeah, a- Asimov. I, the guy sorry. who wrote the founda- foundational science fiction. Yeah, I was just. Try- I'm not trying to talk shit. I just wanted to make sure. No, no, I'm just. Okay. A, I am. I am just. You're not illiterate, my, Liam. Do not say that my, you are. My right? brain is melting. Well, yeah. I've if you woke, <laughs> up, if you stayed up until six a.m. to watch this, to take notes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just to do notes. So, 
I want to say about a, I've, I don't do a lot of podcasts. Liam is probably the most prepared person. This man has an entire notebook just full of rambling and scrambling and scribbles. So. I am consuming caffeine just to stay. Oh awake. yeah, absolutely. But um, no, but so they all worship this god Zardoz, floating godhead. He's a floating stone, stone yeah. godhead who comes down every month to be like, "You're doing great." Yeah. Exterminators, you're fantastic. Yeah. You need to kill more. Yeah. Killing is good. And this is where the immortal line comes in. I think the only line that anyone who's ever seen or heard of Zardoz, if you haven't watched the movie, this is the only line you know of. The gun is good. The penis is evil. That's a real thing. That happens in the first five minutes, and then the floating stone godhead pukes guns out of its mouth. <laughs> So, if any of you are listening to this, if you just want to watch the first 10 minutes of this movie, you will completely understand why Liam is having acid-like flashbacks and freaking out. Because that happens in the first 10 minutes. You got a guy, his floating head appears on screen. First 10? First 10 minutes? First 5. First 5 minutes. (laughs) First 5 minutes. And he has, you don't see it right away, but as you pan up closer to his face, his floating head, he has facial hair that's drawn on with Sharpie. Oh, yeah. Well, As if they didn't ha- give him enough time to grow facial hair himself. And Borman's like, we're going to draw it on you. Fuck it. Who cares? Well, that's so, the well, that's the being that's inside of the stone head. Yes. That or is the frame. The yes. Zardoz himself is just like, it's just this giant bearded golem looking skull thing with like yeah. diamond eyes. Yes. That always just has an ah face. Like that's always just ah, just 24-7. And so they he vomits up the guns. All of the uh, exterminators collect the guns. There was this weird fourth wall break scene where Connery picks up a revolver and then points it at the camera and shoots, and that's when we get the credit sequence of Zardoz. And then after the credits of the floating godhead flying in the sky, Sean Connery emerges from within Zardoz, or what we thought was Zardoz, which is just the stone head. He emerges from, like, barley like barley he emerged, it's some grain i don't know exactly what it is but he comes out and he sees a bunch of people in ziploc bags. in ziploc <laughs> bags and it's just okay and that's explained later because when you get to the eternals the eternals can't die they just get aged so is it explained later a, se- it a little bit later? if you're paying attention it's a little i don't know if it's grain or whatever but he emerges and then he just shoots the shit out of Arthur Frayne, who is the guy you see at the very beginning. Yeah, who is supposedly, yeah. Zar- spoiler yeah. alert, he is Zardoz. <laughs> well, he tells you that, so it's not really a spoiler. I mean, Even if yeah. you spoil this movie, you're not going to understand what the fuck's going on anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, any spoiler is still revealed yeah. and unrevealed. and it, This this movie feels like a better version of Lost. I feel <laughs> my brain is hurting. So, yeah, so Sean Connery, who's, vo- who's playing Zed, he shoots Arthur Frayne. Arthur Frayne goes on a monologue about like, oh, you could have, I could have taught you so much things. Why would you do this? And then he flies off and falls to his doom. And then the stone head falls down into Vortex 4? I believe so. It's three or four, yes. There's this, There's an old episode of the Twilight Zone called People Are Alike All Over where Roddy McDowell is, a, is an astronaut who lands on, I think, either Mars or Venus. And they treat him, they set up a home for him but the twist, because Rod Serling hated anything that made people happy, was he was put on display in a zoo for the amusement of these people. I remember that. So yeah. it's essentially what happens to Zed, 
because they put him in some cage. He's basically their slave. And then people are like, people don't know what to do with him because he's not, he's not necessarily an eternal, but then you find out he's part mutant. We get to that later. There's a a eugenic subplot, which there's a lot going on here. So we'll, yeah. And we'll get to all of it. We are getting to all of it. Yeah. Speaking of Rod Sterling, uh, he apparently did the radio ads for the movie when it was getting advertised. He did all the radio plugs. So shout out Rod Sterling. Awesome guy. Love him. I love Rod Sterling. Rod Sterling. Shout out to the homie. homie. (laughs) M. Night Shyamalan would not be who he is without Rod, Rod Sterling. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a, a blessing or, a, or an insult. M. Night Shyamalan is the logical conclusion to where Rod Sterling would be like 90 years old today and just be like, uh, everyone's a pig, again, the third time, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So I have written down here, uh, the Stonehead arrives in Yorkshire because apparently the, the valley that they're in, just like homely British village, which, fun fact, this whole movie was shot in in Ireland, yes. uh, specifically in the county of County Wixlow and Bray uh, over in Ireland, the good old motherland. Shout out Bray Wanderers. They play in a third level Irish league, I believe. So. <laughs> Hell yeah. Look, if you're going to have me as the first guest for a soccer movie, I'm going to mention soccer as much as possible. 24-7. Hell yeah. So Zed arrives at Vortex 4, which is like this eternal hangout spot. Yes. And he ends up checking around the spot. I have written down here uh, a bunch of stuff just to, like, mention some of the wild stuff. So he arrives, and the first thing he does is he touches plastic bubbles filled with strawberries. He and just also the plants. <laughs> they're plants. Yeah, yeah they're okay. all plants. There's all plants right. inside of these plastic bubbles that I guess are supposed to be, like, regeneration fields or something. Yes. And he's just touching them in amazement, being like, what in the world is this? Uh, he goes up to uh, Zardoz his room or Arthur Frayne's room which I have written down here uh, Zardoz's room has the same decor as a Berkeley college freshman because it's pretty it's pretty glammed up oh yeah <laughs> Zed gets scared by a jack in the box and then all of a sudden a talking ring shows up that's in a in a box yeah. giving up like what or what the short supplies are going on in the eternal village did you notice that they spelled the words wrong when they appeared no like carrots was pluralized with a Z and Apple was like A-P-P-L-E-L. I did not yeah. notice that. I, did I guess not. that's just because I'm an English professor, but like, <laughs> oh, they don't care about grammar in the future? Fuck off. All right. <laughs> Look, I was paying more attention to when uh, Zed goes, food, turns on food, then says, meat, give me meat. And he tries to grab it. He tries to grab the holographic They're meat. They're just really trying to stress how stupid he is and how <laughs> just fixated on murder he is that he's like i see food me want food like me want holograph (laughs) (laughs) me want meat (laughs) but then he takes the doesn't he take the ring and he's near a flower and he says what What is this flower flower. decorative (laughs) decorative that shit was funny what I want to get to that in a second, but that whole thing, because then he f- gets freaked out when he's like, who's the, who's the owner of this? And then Arthur Frayne pops up, and it's Zardoz, the guy he just shot and killed. Yeah. And so he's freaking out, and he's trying to, like, do the, like, like a little kid, like, grasping the ring. Yeah, to, to like, make it go away. Yeah. And it just keeps coming back, and he's like, I can't, ah! And so he eventually, like, sneaks off, and he finds this village that they have, like, a pyramid decor that, like, the pyramid has, like, a secret tunnel with in it later on we find out and it's it's like this old victorian house that has like bubbles on the roof of it they look like like condoms they look like they're very condiment he was very fixated he was definitely trying to put subtle imagery in there about reproduction yeah but it's so obvious that it looks like a condom so it even has like that little bubble tip 
at the very top. <laughs> then I have the quote, what is this? Flower. What for? Decorative. <laughs> That's the line I read. Down. Somebody wrote that and they filmed it. So if you're if you want to be a screenwriter, keep going. <laughs> This got yeah yeah this this film got produced. You can achieve your dreams. <laughs> Anything Look, can happen. If this film can get produced and the neighborhood and Bob Hart's Abishola are still on TV, <laughs> keep fucking going. Keep doing. NCIS, it's on its nineteenth season. Someone's <laughs> watching that shit, so just keep writing. I wrote down here people just vibing in a tree because there's just Eternals hanging out in a tree. Yes. Then I wrote down what the fuck is this outfit Zed is wearing. <laughs> Because we got to talk about these The outfits in this design. movie are her. First of all, almost every Eternal's titties are just out. Without, If there is a gust of wind, just titties forever. The way to, like, he, he's wearing Sean Connery, and you can Google image this because I don't need. It's he's probably the other more known visual. He's wearing essentially a red Speedo, but it has an attachment that goes over his neck with bullets. He's got bandoliers, bandoliers. on each side, on like each yeah. on his chest that are supposed to be for shotgun shelves yeah. that are held up from his like crotch area. Yeah. And then he's wearing like thigh high leather red boots. Yeah. He looks insane. <laughs> he, looks- he looks like if you walked into a drag bar they would be like you're overdoing it. I don't know what's going on here. Yeah. I don't know what theme you're doing, but no. So <laughs> And he has a ponytail. Yeah, the whole thing is a mess. Oh, it's it's yeah. so insane. The costume design was actually from John Borman's wife, or th- like first wife, okay. ex-wife, basically. And she did all the costume designs. Okay. She said that she wanted to pull off like something very much more free flowing and more like vibrant and mm-hmm. liberating, uh, which apparently just means oh, everyone's just basically nude. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's just nude except for friend. We'll get to friend. Yes, except for friend. So Zardoz is running around in his speedo holding a gun. Zed. Zed. Zed is dead. I I didn't mean to call him Zardoz. So Zed is running around in his speedo, just trying to hunt things down. He gets this river and we get introduced to may who we don't know at the time she's just a an eternal walking up to zed and zed immediately just wants to shoot her zed immediately face. tries to just put a cap in her <laughs> and she uses her psychic powers to blind him yeah where he puts his hands up and he drops the gun and you don't know if it's because of her or he just looked at the sun, and then you realize that May and Consuela, which is a really fucking weird name. That's a weird. That's name, out Consuela. of. That's, I don't even like. Oh, she, you think friend is a normal name too? Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> I guess. Say. But but like I yeah, I have written down here. Stare of death oh, is yeah. greater than gun. Yes, because she just looks at him, and then the sound just gets really intense, and yeah. he's like, ah, drops his gun into the river. It's just lost forever. It's just gone forever now. And then she just starts like confronting him being like how did you get here you're in where are you and he's like i'm in a vortex <laughs> Vortex. i must have died i'm i'm dead right oh he thinks he's dead immediately he thinks he's yeah. dead of, from the- which is hilarious because it's like did you have any memory of getting shot why do you think you're dead why what like and he's just like i don't know yeah i don't know and she's like why did you come here what's going on so they kidnap him they bring him in and at this point i i have written down here we're only 20 minutes into this movie <laughs> So they do like this these field tests to see what Zed is, and this is where you get the backstory where they're like, "Who are you? I'm an I'm an exterminator. I kill things." And then I <laughs> I think the line was is like, "I killed twenty. I took a woman in the name of Zardoz." And he just there's like, there's so, a lot of rape. Too. There's a lot. It's they don't show the full thing, but they're watching his memories of him 
casting this woman near a... He was where the sand, like the earth meets the sea, which means he's by the ocean. Yes. There's, there's literally no other way to say where the earth meets the sea. Just say the fuck... I don't even know if he knows what the ocean is because he's so fixated on murder, but he casts a woman in a net and then mounts her. And they show this at least four times. Yeah. And it's for the Eternals entertainment. So you're looking at this as, a, is this misogyny? Are they just bored? Do they have no entertainment? What the fuck is going on? Why Why is he even watching it? He's not even ashamed of it because it's his desires and impulses. Consuela's trying to... It's, just, it's so fucking weird. And it's so yeah. weird. But then as you learn, the Eternals have like eternal life, but they become bored and yeah. the apathetics that just have no emotions. And yeah. he almost rapes one of them too. And then <laughs> we'll get just, to that. Yeah, we'll, so, I want to get to that scene okay. later. But right. um, yeah, they just sort of like, they show off all his like murder homicide memories. Yeah. And the, the Eternals there are just like, oh, this looks fun. This looks entertaining. Yeah. This looks great. Even though it's just murder and death. Yeah. And so Consuela wants to have Zed be killed immediately. Yeah. She's she's the head of the Eternals right now. Yeah. Uh, and she does not approve of these scientific things that May is doing, which yeah. is all just like thought therapy. Yeah. Just like, let me go into your mind and see what's in your mind, yeah. palace, please, sort of stuff. And that's the science. And so she gets a leeway because they, apparently – this place is like so hyper it's like a parody of like a hippie commune because it's like every single thing including does somebody breathe or not is voted on mm -hmm. so they don't know if zed should be killed or not so they have a vote yeah in which i wrote down uh jazz hands voting system oh yeah they do <laughs> they do just sure. like hand yeah. signals they they do like when like <laughs> People are very disinterested and can't dance, and they just like move their hand left and right. It's just to be like it's apocalyptic voguing. Essentially. <laughs> it's vogue doing. dancing. Yeah. It's vogue dancing. If it meant like the the life or death situation of a commune, uh -huh. so it's just a voting system in that way. And so they vote to keep Zed alive for about three weeks to get this test. By the way, the three weeks thing. It's just such an arbitrary decision be where you yeah. don't really. You don't. That's not enough time. Because it feels like a day and a half yeah. through through editing, but yeah. also too like it's such arbitrary nonsense. It's almost as if like they just want to get him done and dusted anyway. They just want to like get him gone. Are you gonna get to the scene where friend is just throwing bread at people? We're getting that to friend. So funny. <laughs> we are getting to friend. That is such a weird scene. We are getting to friend right okay. now. So um yeah, friend who is personally my MVP in this movie. I love friend. I <laughs> I love friend. I hate friend but I also love friend again. He's like the sarcastic bitch of the Eternals. He's sort of he's like... He's one of the only ones with identifiable emotions because everyone else says, we must do this for the Vortex. We must do this. Oh, the Vortex. Oh, no. They're very alien. Yeah. And he's very much like a Sardana, like, oh, yeah, whatever you say, who cares? And he sort of like harasses, he harasses Zed being like, oh, you're such a wonderful monster, aren't you? And he doesn't even call him by his name a lot. It's just like, oh, monster, come here, monster. Monster, come here. Deal with this monster in which, and, you know, Zed repays the offer by licking his hand. <laughs> yeah. And there's also that weird scene where Zed is a human chariot and 
friend is throwing bread at people. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. Are we m- yep. messing? We're, with we're at that point. Okay. We're at that point. Okay. So so yeah. So friend is assigned to Zed as like his handler, his caretaker, his yeah. caretaker to do like business jobs. And immediately within the first like minute of the work, he just throws him to a wall, and he's like, "What happened to Arthur? We know you <laughs> killed him. We know you murdered him." Yeah. And he's like, "I don't." I, I, uh. And then he completely <laughs> calms down and goes, "Oh, in due time, you will." ask us questions and we will figure this out we'll figure it out it's fine and so yes. he goes mm-hmm. in they go into like chamber of like where where the tabernacles hidden somewhere yeah. but it's like just statues of old leaders and greek gods just hanging around so and he, friend tells zed that their gods are dead and he can't put his mind around it's like they died of boredom and it's like oh did they really know did like, they they were yeah I, I had that written down as a quote, but they just sort of like dick around. Zed gets stuck in a glass pyramid. I forgot about that. Like in the middle of one of the dinners, May is like, come outside with me. We need to do a test. And he just goes into a pyramid. And I yeah. don't even remember what happens in there. I think they're just like checking his mind palace again for the 57th time. And this is where we're introduced to the other weird thing about the Eternals, which is like th- when I made a joke about how they vote on everything, including their breath, we get introduced to the minorest of minor characters, uh, George Sedan. Oh, the guy who got put on trial for, for up, thinking. Who <laughs> ends up saying at the end, I hate all of you, I hate this. And then his punished, they don't, the Eternals, they don't die, they just get aged. They get old. And then you find out also they don't go to sleep, they do meditation. So they're pretty much like alt comics who are just never <laughs> sleeping, just working on their bits, but. <laughs> always just in this weird headspace where nothing ever really pisses them off and they're just doing whatever. So, yeah, it's so that that the first time I saw that, I was like, I can't even imagine a world where I don't sleep for like more than three days. And I people- wish I could live in a world where yeah. I never have to sleep. <laughs> I wish. But um, at the same point in time, if that means that I have to like sacrifice feeling emotion, maybe yeah. I'll maybe I'll take sleep. Maybe I'll take sleep. But yeah, a lot of it. To, it sort of makes a commentary on like the Eternals Oasis Paradise is really built upon keeping your emotions as muted and as nothing yeah. as humanly possible. It's a little bit dystopian. You don't really get a lot of dystopian vibes from this movie, but this sort of moment gets very dystopian yeah. where they they interview this guy and his crime was having negative thought in yeah. second level. Yeah. In second level, which is I don't know what the hell second level is. It was at that like their form of sleep. Mm-hmm. I'm still trying to figure that out myself. Yeah. But he's on trial for having negative thought, and he's like, "I didn't have negative thought. It's just criticism. I swear, please." And may immediately he said constructive criticism. Cr- constructive, but they criticism. don't. They're so zonked out, they're not going to know the difference anyway. Oh yeah, they they don't even know what. <laughs> They don't. They don't know shit. And so they they have this trial situation. It gets shoved into the back burner. Then we get to we're getting to the bread. We're gonna get to the bread. The bread. <laughs> we're getting to the bread. Fuck yeah. So the next scene after that, after the most unappetizing dinner sequence I've ever seen in my life, because by the way, these people eat like nothing but fruit and just like Jamba juice, and that's yeah. their whole diet. They go into this bakery where they make the most moldy looking gross bread it's pretty, on the face. No one's wearing gloves. So. No one's wearing gloves. Yeah. All the bread is green. There's a bunch of OSHA violations going on. There's a ton of OSHA so. violations. And friend comes in, and I had to write this down because I'm like, I didn't get it. 
backwards talking? Yeah, they don't. There's no subtitles. There's no subtitles. And you don't know. You. I don't think they ever explain that. They don't. They, it's just he's not taught. It's kind of like if you've ever seen Twin Peaks in the Red Room. Yep. But they yep. don't provide subtitles, so you don't know what's going on. Oh, 100%. That's the, and that's it's the best only, way to describe it. It's only like 40. I, it's not even a full minute. It's like 45 seconds. Yeah. And then he talks normally again. So you're like, is that an editing error? Did they just decide to fuck it? Like we're doing weird shit with the dialogue. They thought that this movie's weird enough. No one's gonna care at this point. And it's you never find out why he did that. You never know. You never explain. I feel like it was one of those things in the script where there's like we have more instances of this, but then they did it once and they're like, ah, this is stupid. Let's just have it. (laughs) And he just walks in and they're like, friend, friend, and friend is like. And they're like, yeah, oh, friend, that's a hilarious joke. And we're like, what the fuck did he Liam just say? Liam just killed that impression, by the way. That was very good. <laughs> so Zed and friend, friend takes Zed out to be his bread delivery boy as like a pack mule. He's running in a chariot, like a human chariot. And bre- friend, I'm not even kidding, is yeeting bread at people. He's just, <laughs> just throwing <laughs> loaves. They're not even catching the loaves. The, the He's loaves just are- fucking throwing them. And they're like, this is a waste of bread. First of all, the bread looks like shit anyway, <laughs> but that's what I think. Is that when you find out about the apathetics who have just no emotion whatsoever? Uh, uh, yes, but okay. a little bit before okay. that, right. you get they get to his job and he's about to leave. And one of the Eternals is just sort of like stare harassing a woman. Yeah. Where he's just like, he's I, I wrote down here, uh, someone's doing the nightmare stare from like Eric Andre, where he's just like, nightmare, 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 nightmare. <laughs> just doing that. And they drag him away. And Zed asks, will this guy be punished for that? And friend is like, oh, of course. Of course he'll be punished. And this is when uh, friend decides to explain the justice system. Where because the Eternals don't age, they're like immortal forever. But whenever they do like a a, a crime, yeah. more or less, mostly thought crimes, mm-hmm. because apparently like murder, like murder yeah. is super illegal, and they don't have sex. So like really, the crime is usually just all like, "Ooh, you said this bad about this person mm-hmm. in your head. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're gonna give you fifteen years," and then they age through that realm. Yeah, and if you age too much, you get turned into a renegade, which is just a senile old person. Yeah, there's that scene where they go to that old weird dinner party and it's just a bunch of old people in like a jazz age type vibe. Yeah. And that you and you see it and then they're going through it and they're like aren't they going to get fucked up and then nothing happens. Well, they go in there and and friend is like only stay here for as quick as you possibly can. Yeah. And they walk in and and friend literally just takes like a handful of like 10 loaves and just yeah. tosses it at yeah. people and then they run out. And the, meanwhile, it's it's straight up like like <laughs> A jazz club version of Tilly Cut Follies is happening it's in there. So They're just weird. all mentally disturbed, like because at this point you're in the people. countryside, and then it's the Roaring Twenties, and then it's back to the countryside. That's back to the countryside. So it's just he's just mishmashing periods of time. Yeah. So and then we get to the apathetics. Yes, where friend walks in and he's he's still yeeting bread, but this is funnier because he's just throwing it at these people's heads, and these people don't react to anything. He puts them in literal. Uh, like st- human statues like he puts one's arm yeah. up and it just stays there and then zed looks at one looks at friend friend's like oh do what you like oh, sir yeah, yeah 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 and then they, for they, zed they, um, they, yeah. they, they they get to the chamber because yeah. they're trying to hand out the bread 
and friend is trying to explain what's going on but then the court case comes up yeah for for george Satan, and they're like the court has found him guilty and this is when he admits he's just like you know what i lied I believe in what I think. Fuck I hate you. you all. Fuck you. Fuck. It's like the half-baked scene, but with 68 more people. Oh, fuck yeah. You, he's, fuck you. Fuck you. He's like, You're I hate you. I hate you all. I hate you all, including myself. And friend is just like, oh, good on you, man. Good on you. Hell yeah. High five. <laughs> Hell yeah. I'm going to vote for you, man. Good on you, Chad. And he even says voting for him is not going to do anything because so many people are going to be overwhelmingly against what he's doing. Exactly. So, so I'll vote for him. Not that it'll do anything. And all while like, that's going on, like Zed walks up to one of these life automatons these walking vegetables and just gropes their tit yeah he goes <laughs> under the he no tact just reaches under grabs the tit like, oh do what you like sir friend, friend is like yeah do what you want and he immediately just like tarzan i wraps. want <laughs> it's uh, have you ever seen quest for fire yes so it's the yes. scene where they're all just humping radon chong but it's in a yeah. in a base in it like a thing of hay yeah. and then he just doesn't do it well, because he starts trying to do it, and then yeah. he realizes, oh, they're not even responding. Yeah. They're basically a dead body. Yeah. And friend it tells him then about the apathetics, who are people. It's like a disease where uh-huh. because they have lived so long yeah. and they're without so much emotion mm-hmm. that, like, after a while, they just become like walking automaton vegetables. Essentially, yeah. Yeah. And so they just don't they don't bother doing anything. And friend is like, this is this is our fate. It's either you become a renegade or you become an apathetic. There is no point in anything. And with this information, Zed gets so mad, he throws a barrel at the wall. <laughs> yeah, ta- which doesn't do any... It's, and not, tosses yeah. over the rest of the bread. <laughs> yeah, which he was throwing at people that was on the floor anyway, so yeah. whatever. And he just tosses it, and, and friend is like, good show, you did it, congrats. And this is that peak of action gives maybe a little bit of energy to like the one apathetic he was about to rape. She has maybe one facial tick yeah. and then like in the field of hay after she was thrown there. So yeah. Exactly. We now get to uh one of the one of the better scenes in the movie where um uh Consuela goes into a conversation about how the Eternals are without a sex drive. Literally they- explaining in a scientific way that she doesn't know how boners work. There's an entire scene is like we don't know how to maintain stimulus in the erection in the sex- penis. Yeah, sexual sexual encounters used to be, you know, a natural thing in most human organisms, but now as the Eternals, we have a hard time figuring how how to make this a limp penis into this an erect, an erect penis. penis. And then they show Zed softcore porn. They like, there's like a hologram of a woman lathering her bare tits there's also this weird line where like consuela basically says that like the male arousal was basically violence in and of itself and that the only men could be attracted to violence he she she said a line i have a quote down here uh many hung men died with an erection yes where death and violence apparently is the only thing that make men hard. Yeah, it's there's a whole side er, the era the sex drive and the death drive are very close together. It's Eros and Thanatos where if you get into like fr- there's a lot of Freudian bullshit, oh, but there's also just bullshit. these people are so hung up on sex they're trying to do TED talks about boners. So it's one of those things where because they don't know how to do sex. And I'm just and Zed's just right there. Zed has shown you that he knows what sex works through his weird memories. Yeah. You could probably just use him, but literally they show him like naked breasts 
And then I think he gets a boner just by looking at Consuela. And everyone starts laughing, which is very embarrassing for everyone involved. (laughs) (laughs) They're just like, ha-ha, see, Consuela? And Consuela immediately is like, kill him. Kill him now. Send him to the death. It has been three weeks. And at that point, you're like, oh, that was three weeks? Okay. That was three (laughs) weeks? It felt like an hour and a half. I don't know what the hell's happening. And so the next day, she apparently, like, harasses Zed while he's trying to sleep, being like, why does this creature sleep? We got rid of sleep years ago. <laughs> I'm going to bother him. And she tries poking him while yeah. he's sleeping. And he like, re- I dream, and I like my dreams. I dream. I like to dream. And then after that, uh, May is doing more tests. And this is where we get to the dun-dun-dun big twist that Zed is a mutant. There's this whole thing where he's the end result of some weird eugenics shit where he has both human and eternal. Is it human and eternal or just a bunch of weird DNA? Uh, he's, I think it's like he has like eternal blood as well as human blood. Okay. And because he's second or third generation, he doesn't suffer the consequences of first generations. Okay. So he's sort of the perfect male mm-hmm. recipient to procreate basically. And she immediately freaks out because apparently Zed's like horrible seventies mustache is so death defying it's going to kill the rest of the eternals yes. and he and he's like i don't understand i don't get it i just want to murder i'm an execution i'm a, i'm an exterminator that's what i do i don't get any of this i'm confused <laughs> so they figure it out may sort of keeps it in the back burner and then you get to one of the weirdest scenes in this movie where they have a dinner and zed is like giving out potatoes and Consuela's like stop friend you're supposed to do this put the beast outside <laughs> I'm I'm done with this we need to kill him tomorrow I'm done with it I don't want him around and he's just like yes or no potatoes <laughs> Would you like some He's literally, He literally is said in front of him that he might yeah. die tomorrow. And this motherfucker has a Tupperware, basically, full of potatoes, just dishing them out. <laughs> These people, who I don't think have silverware. They just eat potatoes or whatever with their hands. They, they have, like, future silverware yeah. or whatever. And so they do this vote, and they all vote to have um, Zed die within, like, three days, five days. Mm-hmm. And then after that, he's dead. And then they all go into hypersleep. Yes. And they all want to reach second level. And friend has a mental breakdown and says, I do not want to go into second level with you. No, no, I will not go into second level with you. No, I hate women. I hate birth. I hate it. And they jazz hands him to death. Yes. Is the best way to explain it. And the thing is where when the Eternals are killed, when the Ziploc bags at the very beginning, they're pretty much, they go back to like the rebirth cycle. Yes. Because they can never die. They're just reborn again. So if anyone is listening to this, we're not insane. This is all happening in a real movie. It's just, you can't talk about this movie without sounding like you just did peyote in the forest with Jared Leto. It just is the way the movie is. It makes no sense. It's It's so confusing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. They just, they jazz hands friend because he's gone renegade and they basically like Jedi mind melt him. Essentially is that what, yes. Yeah. Like his eyes roll in the back of his head and he just faints on the table and after this, Zed runs off, and this is where we find out that Vortex 4 has a force field. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Has a force field, and you can't escape Vortex 4. And then he runs into his executioner exterminator friends outside who are like, ah, and he's like, I know, I'm trying to leave too. I can't. I'm stuck here. Help me. 
help me, please? Zed runs into the renegade fortress where they're all still having their Tillicut Follies moment, and he's looking for Friend. He finds Friend, and Friend turns into Two Face. Yeah. I don't. I don't know yeah, how else this, he just turns into two. He has like one side of his face is just old man. The other side is his young face, and then he's like, "I I hate you. I'm gonna have you killed." And he orders all the old people to kill him. And then Zed goes, "No, what do you want?" And friend is like, "I want death. Bring us death." We want death. And this is where we get into the weird like subtext thing of like the gleeful benevolence of death that sort of plays a factor in this movie. Where people like Friend who are so used to this lifestyle don't realize that death is a release to them. Death is yeah. something they want. In one of the trailers, it says Zardoz get in a in a land of eternal life, Zardoz gave them the the gift of death. Yeah. But it's not Zardoz giving them the gift of death. It's Zed through his role as an exterminator who'd be like, oh, I've done this all the time. I can totally do this. Yeah. So these people have lived this lifestyle. I think Friend says he's lived for over 200 years. Yeah. Or like some of them have lived for 200 years where they become so numb. I become, I'm not trying to quote Lincoln Park. Uh, they've become so numb. <laughs> they become so enamored with the life they have that they don't realize that even though they want to achieve second level, death might be preferable to them because they don't want to become apathetic. They don't want to enter the Tilly Cut Follies people. So <laughs> the uh, friend has that breakdown because in his mind, he's just all thinking about the actual the actuality of death versus being this pretty much like a mortal human vegetable. So yeah, which is not what he wants to no. you know lead yeah. into. It's and no so and so they just sort of get to this point, and this is when it the movie becomes like a sci fi heist movie. Yes. Where now it's like they got to get into the tabernacle. Yes, and they have to destroy the tabernacle. <laughs> they got to destroy the tabernacle. I wrote that on Liam's wall when he wrote, po posted about watching Zardoz. At 6 in the morning. At 6 in the morning. <laughs> the because in the, morning. <laughs> be, the, penis, the gun is good, the penis is evil. The only other quote I remember before watching this again was, we must destroy the tabernacle. Destroy and, the tabernacle. And again, <laughs> Sean Connery has never had an other accent in any movie. And it's so funny that Scottish accents still exist like 2,000 years from now. <laughs> exactly. And so they have to go hunt down and find the tabernacle. And at this point, I realized, oh, we're only halfway through this movie. Yes. <laughs> we're only halfway through this fucking movie. It's, it's the same issue I had when I saw Many Saints of Newark, where I was like, this would work better as a miniseries. This would have worked better as maybe four episodes of a HBO run. Obviously, I don't think they had that in the 70s. No. But there's so much shit going on that needs explanation that just never is addressed. Yeah. So, Speaking of things that need explanation, uh, Zed goes to find May because the old man who made the tabernacle a thing told him to go find May. And this is where we get mind sex. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mind sex is There's the only way I can explain scene. where May is like, what happened? Tell me everything. And she gets into his brain and it's the mind therapy thing. But they also get naked. And I don't know why. But um, in this sequence, the most important thing out of this is apparently Zed was an exterminator that was sort of fine with his existence until a mysterious person showed up during one of his massacres to teach him how to read. And so he decided to read all of the books, just all of the books. And, and then he reads 
the, the Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Oz. And that's and then, where I have a, a note here that says Zardoz. That's Wizard of Oz spelled backwards. Yeah. <laughs> or Zar- well, Wizard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then I remember I was 17 the first time I saw this movie. And when I got to that part, I was so fucking mad. <laughs> because it's just, are you, fi- you it's, are you kidding me? And it's just, it feels, for such a weird movie, it's such a throw, such throwaway bullshit. Where he's like, "Oh yeah, by the way, Wizard of Oz are," and I was just like, "Fuck yeah, you, yeah. fuck you, John Borman." <laughs> <laughs> I I I also felt anger when I felt it, but it makes a lot of it makes a lot of yeah. sense. It's like I'm if you ever saw the Solo original movie where you realize how he got the Han Solo name. And Ron Howard thought he was so smart. That's one of the stupidest things I have ever seen. <laughs> like, my name is Han. I don't have a last name. Han Solo. And everyone in the theater is like, oh, you need to shut the fuck up right now. This is dumb. This is not character building. <laughs> oh, God. It's the worst. It's so d- it's so dumb. Yeah. It's such a dumb twist. It's so dumb. But it makes so much more sense. But it's, so- it's the only thing that makes sense yeah. in this movie. It's the only thing that makes sense. It's stupid, but it makes sense. And so Zed has a mental breakdown finding out that Zardoz was fake the entire time. And so he... Comment about religion as a whole. Religious allegory. Uh, God is dead. And so he rips apart a copy of Wizard of Oz and plans this gigantic heist to break into Vortex 4 just to get revenge on Zardoz until he realizes that he killed Arthur Frayne. Who's the only person who, who could was tell him Zard- about Yeah, yeah so. who's the only person. And he kills him, and then May is like, you killed God. You killed your God by accident, or was it for revenge? And after the whole admission, she starts, like, kissing him on the on the head, and it's, like, post-coitus. <laughs> and <laughs> fucking Consuela finds them and gets pissed off because she's like, oh, now I understand why you want to research with him. Oh, in the in the normal world, we call this bestiality. It's not, it's not science, and it's like, all they right. They really treat... Sean Connery like shit the entire movie, and he is a to piece be of fair, shit. For, to be fair, he's a murderer. To be fair, he is a murderer. He is to a be rapist. fair, that mustache is terrible. That mustache is really bad. The ponytail is even worse. And also, so. to be fair, Sean Con like look, Sean Connery's a legend, but also he's kind of a yikesy guy. <laughs> he's kind of yikesy. Yeah, he did talk about beating women in a Barbara yeah. Walters interview. So he's- yeah, so fuck. Fuck Sean Connery. <laughs> Fuck Sean Connery. So we can say that. Yeah, he's you know he's he's a troubled artist. He's if honestly, every time I come here and I disparage an actor, first it was Gerard Depardieu, <laughs> and now it is Sean Connery. So. Well, Gerard Depardieu deserves it more than Sean Connery. Well, yeah. So Sean Connery then has like a staring contest of death with Consuela. Wins, attempts to like assault her, and then gets blinded. Why does he get blinded? <laughs> I don't know. I really I've seen this movie three or four times. I there are so many parts where I feel as if if I watched the movie again, I would go, "Oh, that totally makes sense." But every time I watch it, I'm still going through my head thinking things like what the f- what? what 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 is this? <laughs> and and Guinsuela is like, oh, we're done. We have to hunt him down now. We have to kill him. And then like another Eternal comes in, who I don't think gets. Does she get a name? No. She just comes in, being like, "Come with me. I will fix your sight." Yeah. And he brings her. She brings him to like uh the 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 
gas plastic bubbles of doom yes. and feeds him leaves till his sight gets better and then says, I healed you just so that once you destroy the tabernacle, you return the favor and kill me. And it's like, oh, okay, sure. And then she explains to him the story of the Eternals where the Eternals like isolated themselves from the apocalypse and then they had to mute their emotion just to sort of not acknowledge all the disaster and despair that's going around in the world. Essentially, yeah. They're shielding themselves from the brutality that they witnessed or heard about. Which in a smarter movie would be an allegory for like the gods looking down upon the despair of humanity and being like, we got to be as muted as humanly possible. That's not that movie though, baby. It's not that movie. (laughs) No, no, no. They just look at the dirty Irishman and get sad. John Borman apparently hired a bunch of local uh, Irish locals for the roles in this movie and for like set design and prop Mm -hmm. design. And he apparently hired a bunch of the uh, Irish travelers to be extras specifically to be like the peasants and stuff. And he said they were some of the most nice and generous human beings on the face of the planet. So shout out to him. But I think before we get any further, because we're about we're about 30 minutes in. So we're almost in. We're almost there. We're getting to the conclusion. But so I'm going to take five to be like. We should talk about the cost-cutting measures because this movie is visually stunning and yeah, beautiful. Yeah, you don't really understand how they got away with what they were doing given the lack of budget. They so. Yeah, and on a budget of like $1.8 million in like 1970s money is still like maybe like $15 million. It's like a hefty bit of change now. But it's still like one point eight million dollars. Like yeah. they're trying to do shit that like Star Wars did with like thirty million. Yeah. Off of like the budget for like a Woody Allen comedy. Essentially, yeah. So yeah. we got it. Like I got. I found some notes on this, which is actually really interesting. For one thing, Sean Connery actually not only when they allotted budget for Sean Connery's driver and car for transport, they basically cut the budget in half and they just paid Sean Connery. To to drive himself. Oh. He used his own car and drove to and from sets. Okay. On top of that, Sean Connery actually lived with the Bormans. While they were shooting, the Bormans had their own house and he would live with them and would pay them rent for staying there weekly. Do you think he wore the outfit the whole time? It's like, John is riding up on my crush. John, I'm going to go take a shower. I'm sorry if your wife sees any shit. Uh, yeah. Sean, you don't have to have method. No, I do have to have I method. Have to do method. I, I think I have to do method here, yes. They kicked me. They couldn't hire me after James Bond. I got to be showing that I'm good. I still got it. I don't even know if that's a good Scottish accent, so I don't even us know. in the comments. Uh, who cares? It's If there are comments. A lot of the really interesting stuff comes from the cinematography. Uh, cinematographer Jeffrey Usmworth. Okay. He did a lot of really interesting optical illusions when it came to like the visuals, the way that the film looks very smoky and dreamlike. He did a lot of stuff that uh, today they basically outlawed. Okay. <laughs> and there's a reason. So what he would do with a lot of these shots to make it more dreamlike and whimsical is he would widen the lens out fully and sometimes even shoot it without a lens, like wide open. Okay exposing the lens and he would use like fog effects and okay. fog filters over it while using a fog machine. Yeah. Well, that's at the very beginning where he's looking through Zardoz's head and there's, there's all this smoky yeah. landscape shots. So that makes sense. A that's lot of smoky, cool. but also to it, it, you know, within like the, the surrounding of the film, there's a lot of like sequences of like dreamlike yeah. atmospheric stuff, which makes the visuals look beautiful. The problem is when they were trying to 
<laughs> duplicate the reels for mass distribution, all of those reels were basically unusable. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it basically damaged the reels to the point where they couldn't duplicate them. They were done for. So... Uh, I believe like there was a cinematic union that basically forbid any of these tactics to be used on any other shoot yeah, ever. That just period. Any distribution rights. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it ruins a lot of shit. Yeah. But also too, apparently going uncredited. I'm not sure how reliable this is, but this does come from AFI. Stanley Kubrick worked on this movie. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's. He would just be looking around, going, "I'm why no? You just saying no the entire time he's there." And he may obviously there's a lot that makes sense because he probably saw like the Stonehead and thought of Space Odyssey. But it's also one of those things where with his films he had more. I'm not gonna say going for them, but he had a better idea of what he was doing. Borman kind of it felt like Borman. I felt like the script was written. They were like shooting maybe ten or fifteen pages. They were shooting like at a time, and they were like writing yeah. as they were producing. Because a lot of like the bread scene, the th- scene with the apathetics, I was like, "There's no way he thought this out." It feels like it was kind of pieced together as it went along. Whereas with Kubrick, his vision is totally there, yeah. so he's going like all the way there. Oh so. yeah, he yeah he was working as a technical advisor, but okay. I could definitely see if you look into like the I mean. The, the visuals in this are very stunning. So yeah. I it would not be surprising that Stanley Kubrick had yeah. some form of hand in this. Yeah. Also, apparently, doing any of the props and any of the nudity was a pain in the ass, apparently, from Borman because of the political climate that was going on in Ireland at the time. You mean like with the IRA? So uh, they almost got their production shut down because they couldn't get prop guns on set. Because the IRA was shooting people. <laughs> because the uh, because if, if you don't know Irish history, um, the IRA uh, <laughs> was committing some pretty heinous acts in the name of liberating Ireland. Uh, I'm just going to end it there before we get canceled for supporting domestic terrorists. If you want more, if you want more information, uh, Say Nothing by Patrick Radden Keefe is a good explainer on the IRA and everything that were going on. Yeah. Also, if you want to be annoying and annoy your friends, you can talk about how the U2 song Sunday Bloody Sunday references the IRA. Or you can just watch Black Mass and be a fucking townie. So you can do that. Or you could talk about how like John Lennon used Luck of the Irish on one of his albums and gave all of the money basically to the IRA and several like domestic terrorist groups. Which, to be fair, look, I'm not trying to endorse the IRA. I'm not trying to say the IRA are they the IRA death and destruction and the mayhem that they caused. Liam is wearing a black and tan shirt as we are. (laughs) So do not believe his bullshit. All I'm saying is. Margaret Thatcher had what was coming to her. Anyway, so... Did Margaret Thatcher <laughs> had girl power? <laughs> she did have girl power by committing mass atrocities That's, that's to one the of Irish. the funniest things Eric Andre has ever done. That is so funny. <laughs> it's so good. But yeah, they were running into problems with getting prop guns on set because of the political climate, because of the IRA's control, because of the violence. Also, the nudity, apparently, because the government at the time was very, like, not very comfortable with sexuality at the time as well. So there was a lot of like conflicting matters when it came to that. Apparently, a baboon attacked an extra on set. What? <laughs> a baboon. So when the renegades are running around, I think there's like somebody in an ape outfit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's okay, walking around. Right. Yeah, and apparently a baboon actually attacked that person uh, well, in an ape outfit. That makes sense. Okay. <laughs> No, not just a random baboon. It'd be funny if a baboon just showed up and. 
caused chaos because this movie is chaos enough as it is. Oh, this movie is insanely chaos. And then Borman's like, how do I get this baboon into this? Movie? How do I get this? This How is this movie wilder than Zed Deliverance? Zed is the baboon, and the baboon is <laughs> Speaking of chaos. And the baboon and, is God. Speaking of chaos and Zed, so rounding us back, after the Eternal goes into all of why the Eternals are suffering and Zed's mission to give them death liberation, she goes, you brought violence to this land, and instantly all the Eternals are attacking the plastic bubble of doom. Yes. And they are trying to suffocate Zed in the plastic bubble of doom. Zed somehow breaks out of the impossible to break out of plastic bubble of doom, which I thought was a hilarious moment. I'm not going to lie. And then the chase begins. They hunt down Zed for the next like 20 minutes in this movie. He runs off. He has like a leaf in his pocket as like safekeeping. They hunt him down. He runs into the village with the apathetics. The apathetics basically commit a forced orgy on him because apparently like his exit, they like, I don't know if they, like, took saliva or they took, like, sweat from his brow, but they took some liquid off of his body and just started putting it in each other's mouths. And they're like, we take your life, and now we have our own life back. And so they try to, like, suck the life out of Zed. Pause. Pause. (laughs) Suck the soul out of you. Oh, suck the soul out of me, darling. (laughs) <laughs> and and Zed's about to die, and Consuela walks in. He uses the leaf, grabs the leaf, and apparently the leaf just brings life back to him. It's like spinach. It's Popeye's spinach. And he runs off into the woods. They go into the woods, and they're hunting him down, and they say it's going to be nightfall at, like, 2 in the afternoon. It's going to be nightfall. Smash cut to probably 10 at night. <laughs> Just smash cut. It's the magic of editing, baby. Magic of editing. Uh, the renegades find Zed. They capture Zed. They surround him and like giggle on top of him. Yes. And I have the quote right here. I had to. I had to write this down. <laughs> Zed says, and I quote, "Death, D- bring death to you all. Find friend. Take me to friend." And I said that line almost gave me a brain aneurysm. <laughs> This whole movie is just filled with lines that lines and moments that give me brain aneurysms. Yeah. So Zed is doing his thing. Uh, they kidnap Zed, and this is where they put Sean Connery in drag. Sean Connery's in a wedding dress. As, as if this, as if this does not weird, get weird enough, he does wear a wedding dress. He wears a wedding dress to. It hide. looks pretty good. He doesn't look bad. It's just it, it's weird. <laughs> so. Well, did you know that that Connery was very uncomfortable with doing cross-dressing for that one scene? But he was comfortable wearing the gun speedo bandolier thing. Because it shows off my package. He is packing serious heat in this book. package. It brings my package out to life. And so they're sort of walking around. All the Eternals are headhunting for Zed. And they bring Zed to Friend. Friend is just sort of wandering about and... They they go, here, kiss the bride, reveal, and it's Zed with his mustache and everything. It's kind of a funny image. And so they take Zed, uh, friend takes Zed, they run off, they go to find May in the cavern of the dead gods. Yeah. I, that's the best way I'm going to say it, is the cavern of the dead god statue. I don't really think they give it a name, so he's he's dead on. So Yeah, and so May is like, friend, I can't, I can't endorse this violence. And he's like, we need to die. Give us death, please. And Zed's like, it's our only way. We need to, we need to die. And so May packs him a deal where, like, we'll give you the knowledge to get into the tabernacle. 
Doesn't he just, it's a brain overload thing where he just is inserted with so much knowledge. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but so. it's, it, it, they'll give him a mega brain blast. Essentially. In exchange for him basically like shoving his, his, his seed into each of them. So have sex with us and we'll give you like, we'll give you a 2001 A Space Odyssey moment. Essentially. Yeah. They do that and it's just like random tripped out. Like they have projections over everyone's face and people are spouting off like mathematical equations and speaking in French and just like weird stuff. I have written down here. How much acid did John Borman take all in capital letters? We're at that point in the movie, people. Uh, So... In the moment of the tripped out super brain blast, we find out that we reveal what happened. We reveal how the Eternals became the Eternals. We reveal everything. And it turns out, fun fact, no spoilers, shocker to nobody, the old people are all to blame. The old people are the problem. The old people basically, the, the all the renegades, they used to be the old founding members of the Eternals. And they decided, you know what? Death is bad. <laughs> no more death. We're not going to have death anymore. I don't anymore. really like death. Let's get rid of that. No more let's death. Get, let's get out, get out of your death. We're going to make the tabernacle to make sure that death doesn't happen. No more death. And and so they caused all the problems because they go, no more death. And then they realized, oh, wait, actually, we would want death. Death is really good, actually. We, can we bring back death? And they're like, nah, you're now old. Yeah. Go into the old home. <laughs> go into Tillicott Follies. And so this is where we get to destroy the tabernacle. Destroy the tabernacle. Destroy the tabernacle, where naked Sean Connery just shoots the walls. Isn't it? It's in like a funhouse type stuff where he doesn't know where he's shooting. Yeah, yeah. he's just like, destroy the tabernacle. Yeah. Bang, bang. Destroy the tabernacle. He's just saying random shit. After all of this, Sean Connery wakes up in the the weird, the, the, not, the dead god world. Yeah. And finds that Arthur Frayne is alive in the tabernacle? Or is giving him the tabernacle? But Again, I've seen this movie. I don't know. I really... That part, I'm just... <laughs> why are you here again? Are you a figment of his imagination? Are you really dead? Did he even shoot you? He shows up as like a wax statue What's of a gentleman. Going on? <laughs> and like, it's such a silly like haha jester thing. Cause like he goes, like Sean Connery's looking around like what's happening. And one of the statues just slaps him on the shoulder and he's like, what the fuck? And, and it's like, oh, it's me, Arthur. Hello. <laughs> you shot me earlier. I'm just saying, I'm just here to bother you eternally. <laughs> and it's random, silly jester shit. He hands him the crystal. Then it's revealed that the talking ring was the tabernacle the whole time. It just If there wasn't enough goofy, weird twists going on, the thing he literally, the thing that identifies the flower, it's decorative, uh, is the fucking MacGuffin this entire time. The so. entire MacGuffin was the ring. The ring is the tabernacle. It's not the, the crystal did. It was the ring. Yeah. And so he enters the tabernacle, which is all like LED like screen. By the way, while all this is going on, all the rest of the Eternals that aren't May and Friend are banging outside the door trying to break in yes. and kill Sean Connery. But Sean Connery said he's now in the tabernacle and it's all just like LED screens with like all of his friends or all the Eternals just doing like interpretive dance while he's like I don't know where I'm going and he's just shouting his head off being like where is everything and there's this really interesting like climax where he shoots himself but he has to shoot like the violent past version of himself which is the manifestation of the tabernacle to of like to ascend basically 
He has to kill his old self in order to ascend to his new form. Yeah, my brain hurts. Yeah, man, does that make sense to anyone? <laughs> that makes that it's kind. Of, yeah, you have to kill your you have to kill your old self to develop into your new self. It's that's the whole purpose and point. And he wakes up to Consuela attempting to stab him, but she can't stab him because she loves him. She she loves him, kind of. Not sort of. I don't know. I don't know. I, I she. That's never set up because the whole time she's just been like nurse ratchet to him the whole time. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, no, I actually love you. That's the that's the whole thing. And now now Zed is like Grandmaster Yi. Now he's just like, I have been awakened. I know yes. my I know what I do. He now. is based, as one would say. He is, he is based. He is based and red pilled. Quote that I have here that is actually like seminal to the rest of this, I guess, is uh, he who fights too long against dragons becomes a dragon himself. That's the quote I was looking for. Okay. And that's when he's sort of in his Confucius mode, his big brain Confucius yeah. man. And now it's he still needs to destroy the tabernacle, though. It's basically Joe Rogan's final. But I... <laughs> When he takes story. all the DMT, when he, ta- becomes, when he consumes all the DMT, and there's none left for the rest of us, and he so. becomes a demi a demi shout god, even more bald than he is now. So. Oh, so there is a third eye where his bald is. Yes. Uh, it's just a giant eye. Yeah. And then talks to Crystal. Oh yeah, there we go. Zed talks to the crystal. The crystal is the tabernacle, but he's having a conversation with the crystal, and it's this whole thing. And, oh, I guess I missed, like, literally, I don't care. (laughs) This is where he gets into the tabernacle, which is all the LED screens. He has to shoot himself, and that's when you find him passed out and dead. And then the the May and her followers and friend, they pick him up as he's lifeless. Consuela walks up to him, kisses him on the forehead, and he wakes up immediately. And this is where I wrote down, uh, where did I write down? Backwards powers? Like, he just holds his hand out while the Eternals are trying to come after him to kill him, and they all walk backwards? Yes. Away from him? Yes, because he's ascended. In fright? Because he's shot himself and become this new version. He is, he is now a demigod. Yes. He is now demigod. He's a mutant demigod. He has god blood, human blood, and exterminator blood. So he has Eternals blood. He has all this blood. There's a lot of blood. There's a lot of blood. There's so many blood. He is now, he is now next level. And so he ascends to next level. He made it to level two, I guess, I assume. And so... He's reversing all of them back, and he's just like, we got to go find the renegades. And he finds the old guy who made the tabernacle. And the old guy who made the tabernacle, he kind of just says some things and then has a heart attack and then just dies. And then the stone, the Zardoz stone head falls into the ground. And then everyone cheers because now they realized, oh, we can die now. Yay! Yay! We die. can die. It's death now. It's big death. And so there's, it's this weird morbid thing where they're walking and they're just talking to each other like they've accomplished like the greatest quest of all. But yes. really the greatest quest is just like, now we can die. Yeah, like Yay. we have to live emotionless for 200 years. Woo! Hooray. Yeah. The magic of doom. Yes. Yay. And like Arthur and friend are talking like, ah, we're going to die once more. Everything was pointless and meaningless. <laughs> Arthur like says that he was the one that caused this entire thing. He was the mysterious guy that made Zed learn how to read. And Zed is like, but I've talked to the being that made you do that thought. Ha ha, I am the real genius. And so they go off. He, f- They all gather around a waterfall <laughs> or a water, 
like a fountain, not a fall, waterfall, water fountain. They go up to a water fountain. My brain is just melting now. Yeah, I mean, you're, out you're of you, my got, you gotta bang this out because it's very confusing. I, <laughs> we're 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 at the last like minute yeah. <laughs> of this movie because the rest of this film is just a massacre. It's just a massacre. So they get to this fountain and they're all doing the jazz hands thing, and the person in the middle was the person who gave Zar- Zed the the leaf. Spets call him Zardoz. They give Zed the leaf, and she's like, oh, now return the favor. Kill me. And he's like, my old self is dead. I can't kill you. And as he says that, bang, all the executioner exterminator guys show up to do commit murder, commit mass genocide. And it's the most downtrodden, weird sci-fi ending where, like, Everyone's just like, let me die. Yay, die. And they're like, all right. They're getting massacred, but they're happy about it. Whereas they're not fighting for their lives. They're they're desiring their lives to end. So this is welcome to them. Because Zed can't be the person that kills them because he's entered this new state of being. This new world. This new being of himself. And so him and Consuela run off. By the way, May and her followers. This is the thing I missed. This is the thing I missed before the massacre. He hands the crystal, the the tabernacle or whatever, to May mm-hmm. and her followers, who he all imp- he impregnated them all, yeah. and be like, "Go make your own commune, run yeah. off and do your own thing." And they run off so that they can keep at least the bloodline going yeah. while you know genocide's about to happen. Yep. And so they go off and they watch from the mountaintop as genocide happens. And so everyone's dying. Zed and Consuela end up in the busted head of the stone of Zardoz. Yeah. And they have life. There's is the ch- best way to put it. <laughs> yeah. They have a doesn't that's when they have the child that like they have hold, sex and they have the child they're holding hands as they're disintegrating. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then the rest of the movie is just these weird visual things. It's no dialogue, and isn't that the very end? That's the very okay, very right, end yeah, yeah, where yeah. everyone's getting massacred and they're like, "Kill me, please, kill me." There's some brutal deaths in there yeah. where like someone's like, "Please let me die," and somebody just takes a saber and slices the back of their neck. Brutal. Yeah. It hurt my neck seeing that. Yeah. It's they end up they go into the head of Zardoz in the head stone head of Zardoz. They they have sex. They give birth to a child. The child and they it's they have like an eternal life or like they have a, a lifespan that happens within like a matter of I don't know, like a minute and a half, mm-hmm. two minutes. Yeah. Like just forever warping and changing and whatnot. And that's that's the end. There's not even credits. There's <laughs> not even end credits. Are they in like weird green jumpsuits? They're in weird green yeah. jumpsuits, sort of sitting down, watching as their baby gets risen and born and grow old as they grow older. Fun fact, two things. Number one, Charlotte Rampling, uh, she apparently really wanted, she was really excited for the Sean Connery sex scene. Okay. And was very disappointed when it lasted like three seconds about so this ending she was hyped for that oh okay and it didn't and it lasted like milliseconds and she was very disappointed about that the other thing about this scene the other thing they had to shoot this three times the entire sequence of the massacre leading into of um zed and uh consuela aging oh okay they had to shoot that three times over again okay first time i i have it written down yeah first time the film got damaged that doesn't seem like an impossibility the second time they shot it uh, a film assistant accidentally exposed the reel. Fucking dumb. <laughs> you fool. <laughs> <laughs> 
so by the by the end of the third take, both Sean Connery and Rampling were so annoyed because of they had to do the whole thing over, like yeah. put the prosthetics back on, yeah. do everything, and it's that infuriating. Sounds dickish. I'd make sure that's that hand never gets put on exactly. another film yeah, shoot ever exactly. again. Yeah, it's just very annoying and frustrating to do and go through. The worst. The worst thing. But that's Zardoz! Yay! Uh, released February 6, 1974. Wasn't Deliverance his, the movie before this? This was the movie so before it's, this. So it's not even a 180. It's like a 720 from what the fuck ever. Like, Deliverance, there's obviously weird sexual undertones. Yeah. But that crank... Zardoz takes the weird sexual undertones and cranks them up to a level, like, never before seen. So you have... I tried looking up the box office for this movie. Okay. The information that's given is that it made $1.56 million okay. off of its $1.8 million. So, so this is barely a bomb, but it's uh, worth discussing. <laughs> they had to make $2 million, so okay. they were down a million. Okay. So they, they made like m- almost their initial budget back, okay. but it was a disappointment. So count it. The apparently the story that from I can gather from the box office is that it was released in Los Angeles and New York and the reviews came in and people were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and once the reviews came in, the the sales just plummeted. Yeah, absolutely plummeted. I've got some reviews. here. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Nora Sayre from the New York Times stated, uh, Zardoz, which opened yesterday at the Translux East, is science fiction that rarely succeeds in fulfilling its ambitious promise. Despite its pseudoscientific grim cracks and a plethora of didactic dialogue, Zardoz I know, like six of is those words more mean. confusing. <laughs> Don't worry, I had to figure out how to pronounce half what of those. What the fuck is a grim crack? <laughs> I'm trying to figure out that too. That might be. She made that up. I, it's, it's one of those like $5 words that like Keith Oberman pulls out at dinner dates. Uh, more confusing than exciting, even with the frenetic shoot 'em up climax. So, a lot of the reviews I've gathered, especially from Roger Ebert, who gave this two stars, and Gene Siskel, who gave it one star. They they basically went out of their way and said, like, this is too pretentious to be true science fiction. Yeah. And it's it's fair because Borman has mentioned several times when he wrote this movie that one of the things that he hated about science fiction is that the films that gave the genre a bad name were the adventure movies in sci-fi aesthetics. Mm-hmm. So basically, your Flash Gordons, yeah. your Star Wars, for instance, a lot of that really sort of comes through here because this movie this movie's like 70s du- dune this is this is dune for the 70s yeah. and i don't mean like new dune cuz new dune great new dune's awesome i've seen I'm new talking, dune three times <laughs> uh, yeah oh, yeah i saw you got to see it if you i don't think it's an imax anymore but that movie was made to be seen in IMAX. So shit. All right. This movie was made to be seen on drugs. <laughs> this movie was made to be seen on acid yeah. uh, or peyote. Also, the other major thing that I think really did hamper this movie is that Borman has mentioned multiple times that when he was making this movie, he was on a crippling amount of drugs, like a lot of drugs. Get the fuck out of here! No, no, no he wasn't. 
honestly, if he was sober, I think... That's honestly a testament to people who can function on drugs, because he finished the movie. <laughs> so, a lot of people would t- shoot, like, 20 minutes and be like, I'm bored, where's the heroin? Like, just- <laughs> He's just... It's it's so frenetic and weird. He actually yeah. had a quote on the uh, audio commentary for the movie. Uh, he said it was a very indulgent and personal film, uh, and he also admits that a lot of the reason why the film is so weird is because he didn't have the budget to fulfill his actual promise. So this is what he could do with like $1.8 million for like a little bit under 2 million. It's still like intense science fiction. This is, this is if you're, if you're big into like, if you're not keen into like your firefly or into like the, the, if you're more into like brave new world and maybe, well, Dune, Dune, Dune is a big one. I'd say, uh, maybe like some, I wouldn't go cyberpunk very much more, not Philip K. Dick, but beyond Philip K. Dick. And Philip K. Dick thought the government was after him as he wrote. He was, (laughs) he was on drugs. He was paranoid. He heard voices, and then he wrote basically uh, what became Blade Runner. So maybe if you're a fan of Vonnegut yeah. or uh, Asimov, Vonnegut Asimov, a little bit of Heinlein without the Scientology. Uh, if you've ever read Dahlgren, you're in. It's that Herbert. Uh, spoiler for anyone who gets in God Emperor of Dune, Paul Atreides' son becomes half worm. <laughs> so if you think that's fucking weird, check this movie out. So. They just, he's like, he's become a half worm, half human dictator and lives for 500. I like how our, our, I like how our Zardoz episode is like 25%. Let's just spoil what happened in Dune. I mean, he wrote those books. (laughs) Herbert ran out of steam. And then in the later books, there's like a colony of space Jews. Like it gets real. It's not anti-Semitic. It's just, where the fuck, what are you talking about? This is already weird enough. What is happening? If you're if you're the kind of sci-fi nerd that your favorite thing about sci-fi is the overcomplicated political strife yes. and the metaphysical like if if you if you would rather not have your Star Wars be your your sci-fi and you'd rather be more of a dune head or way more into like the higher concept sci-fi. Yes. Zardoz is definitely up If you there. fuck with Jodorowsky, like El Topo, definitely. Oh, Jodorowsky, yeah. Definitely check this out. If you're, yeah, and also, and also too. Let's just be transparent here. If you want to have a drug night, if you want to, if have, you want to hang if out, you, if you want to take, if you want to make a whole sheet of edibles like brownies, gummies. Oh yeah. Have five or six of your friends just take your cell phones away. Yeah. Make sure there's one person who's not as stoned as like the sober contact, yeah. and you watch this movie. You will either. I'll have an insanely bad trip, or it'll be the most fun night of your life. It is. It's not. There's no in between. What would be your uh, trippy, your trippy film festival playlist? Because it would be El Topo. El Topo. uh, The original Dune from the '80s. Oh oh my god. How many? How many films? Is it like a weekend? Um. Well, like three or four. Four. You could make it an all-day thing usually. So El Topo. This movie's Ardaz. Yeah. 84 Dune. Akira. Oh, yeah. Akira's uh, up there. Tetsuo the Iron Man. Uh, Eraserhead. Oh, God. We're getting into like 13, 14 hours. Um, this is. Th- Southland Tales. Oh, my God. I uh, got to cover like three of these movies. <laughs> Unshen Andalou, which is Dolly in like the 20s where they cut the person's eye. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Nosferat. Okay. And, oh, God. What else? Repulsion. Repulsion by Polanski. Repulsion by Polanski. That's yeah. a that's a nice t- that's a nice top what top ten, top nine. Yeah. 
I mean, my go-to, I'd probably throw up there if definitely Zardoz. I'm throwing Zardoz yeah. in the mix here. Uh, you're doing Enter the Void. Okay. You're doing Altered States. Did you see Titan? I did not see Titan. I would throw that up there, but it's recent. Where literally a woman has sex with a car. So I oh oh it's very weird. weird. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Yeah. Oh, Naked Lunch. Maybe maybe Naked, Naked Lunch or Lun- Videodrome. I read Videodrome is another. That's a solid hit. That's or, a yeah. that's a big that's one right there. That's the only good thing James Woods has ever done. Um, <laughs> hey, Once Upon a Time in America is pretty banging. Yeah. Uh, I took <laughs> I took a Beat Generation class and we read Naked Lunch and I flat out one day raised my hand. And I'm like, hey, what the fuck is going on? I'm like, I just <laughs> and the professor's like, well, this book was designed where if you started at any page, it would make sense. And I'm like, none of this shit makes sense. To me. I do like, I do love a little bit of a sidetrack. I do love all the stories from like punk historians where they would just be like yeah and like ian curtis hung out with william william f burroughs and was like hey how do you feel about suicide and burroughs is like dude go to therapy (laughs) what are you doing (laughs) and just like him getting harassed by kurt cobain just to be like hey how's life it's just it's man that guy's such a weird dude but yeah uh naked lunch or video drum what did i say alter state oh uh uh jacob's ladder if you just want nightmares, 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 nightmares. Did I mention Enter the Void? I think I mentioned Enter the Void, and I think that's that's a decent top yeah. five. That's a decent type five. We you basically maybe- just listed fifteen movies where if you want to have a really bad time, <laughs> just pop in an edible and just throw one of them on. Um, Especially altered states. Yeah, if you watch El Topo on acid, you will have an out-of-body experience, I can guarantee you. <laughs> oh, and El Topo. I should throw up El Topo. All right, yeah. That, that's it. Zardoz. Nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Nightmare, 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 nightmare. Credits time. This episode of Bombed is produced, edited, and released by yours truly, Liam Wolf. That awesome intro track that you hear every single week is done by my good friend Jacob O'Brien. You can follow him at Vaulted Tadpole over on Twitch and YouTube for more music and video game live streams if you're into that. Joe McAndrew has done that awesome podcast art that you see each week. You can follow him at Joe MC Art or Joe MC Shut Up on Instagram. And of course, I'd like to thank all of you for sitting down and listening to this, whether it's on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever podcasts are held hostage. Thank you. And please send a like, share it to your friends, send us a review, even comment underneath if you want to say that we're idiots that don't know what we're talking about or that I'm an idiot that doesn't know what I'm talking about. Any criticism helps produce and build this podcast beyond the mild constraints that we're at right now. So thank you for your honest-to-God support. I'd like to do a big old thank you very much to my good friend, stand-up comic, GQ writer, journalist, teacher, and one of my God-honest best friends, Kevin Hall, for coming back on the pod, sharing the wonders of Zardoz to the masses, 
You can find him at the hallway one. I'll put his socials down below. You can follow him on Twitter and Instagram. I think it's the same link. We'll put it all in the DQ down below. It's all good. All right. We don't know where next week's going to go. There's a few films on the queue. I have some guys on the back burner. I have people I still need to contact for episode scheduling. But we got a huge lineup coming for you. Supposedly, if everything works out, we're either going to be dropping an episode on the Boondock Saints or Punisher Warzone or Last Action Hero or Tenacious D in the Pick of Destiny or Silverado or Cool World. What else do I got on here? Cutthroat Island, 13th Warrior, Fan 4 Stick. We got a bunch. We got loads and loads and loads plenty and plenty this show's gonna go on till 201947 you know the years will never matter they'll all blend into one giant number i'll see you then though i hope to god i'll see you then keep it posted follow us on the ig for all updates and all new episode listings until then this has been liam wolf adios